Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Hi, I'm Patricia. Welcome to the 10th episode of A Breath of Song. I am so glad you chose to do this extra special day because Samara Jade is joining us for a songwriter conversation. Pete Seeger said, The easiest way to avoid wrong notes is to never open your mouth and sing. What a mistake that would be. And that is a mistake we are not making here. We are here to find wellness one song at a time. And trust me, your voice is just perfect for this. I'm coming to you straight from my home in Vermont with my cat right beside me on the piano bench, purring. And Samara is joining from Port Townsend, Washington. Hi, Patricia. (laughs) Samara, welcome. from across the country. (laughs) Yeah. All of our voices will turn up as they are today. Creaky, smooth, on pitch, or wandery. No matter what, we can feel the connection to our breath and vibration in our body. Let's find how good it can feel to sing. So last week, I shared Samara's song, Right Place, Right Time, which is one of my all-time favorites. Today, Samara will be teaching us another song of hers called I Trust My Roots. We'll sing it several times so it can settle inside you and you can begin to trust it as a resource. Let it move you into a state of flow. Then we get to enjoy a conversation with Samara, and we'll close out with the song again at the end. Let's start. And Samara, you can just do this with me with a good yawn stretch. I know you're warmed up. You've been recording already today, but... Well, I haven't been the one singing, so <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's okay. good, actually. Mm. <laughs> so roll your shoulders a bit, maybe stretch your back, mm-hmm. opening space in your body to let your instrument sound. Whatever feels good to you. And noticing your breath and letting it soften your jaw and your mouth and your tongue. How about some hum sighs? Mmm, sliding up and down. Mmm. Yeah. Tomorrow I'll turn it over to you to share the song. All right, Um, just go right on into playing it. Absolutely. All right, here's I Trust My Roots. I trust my roots to know where to go. I'll send a message on the world wide web of interconnection Cause I trust my roots to reach what I need To reach what I need To reach what I need I trust my roots to reach what I need Down, down into the earth And I 
trust my roots to share what I got, to share what I got, to share what I got. I trust my roots to share what I got down, down into the earth, going down, down into the earth, intertwining with all beings I'm seeing in every direction, going down, down into the earth. I'll send a message on the world wide web of interconnection. Oh, as I trust my roots to lead me to love, to lead me to love, to lead me to love. I trust my roots to lead me to love down, down into the earth. And I trust our roots to connect us as one, connect us as one. Connect us as one I trust my roots To connect us as one Down, down into the earth Going down, down into the earth Intertwining with all beings I'm seeing in every direction Going down, down into the earth I'll send a message on the world wide web Of interconnection You know I'm gonna trust my roots Yeah. Would you be willing to take apart the chorus and teach it to us a little bit because the words are a little more complex there and give us a chance to, you know, yeah. to learn it just a little bit at a time? Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of a, a longer sing-along song. It's not quite one of the little nugget nugget songs, <laughs> pocket yeah, songs. Yeah, it's fabulous. And that's yeah. one of the goals of this podcast is to learn those songs. Great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, as you caught on to the the verses are pretty straightforward and I actually like to think of this as a zipper song. Those are just the verses that I happen to sing and time and time again, but um you know, I've made up like probably a dozen more. I trust my roots to do whatever <laughs> whatever you want, fill in the blank. So I invite folks who want to learn and carry the song to just make their own verses. Those are just my like example verses. Um but yeah, I'll break down the chorus like a call and response sort of a thing you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah, so that'd be great. Um, down, down, I'll, say, I'll speak the words. Down, down into the earth, intertwining with all beings I'm seeing in every direction. Down, down into the earth, I'll send a message on the world wide web of interconnection. So, Seems very appropriate for this call. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> we are the internet, as I often like to say, is kind of the like technological equivalent of uh, mycelium <laughs> sending messages across yes. the across the globe information and data yes. so down down into the earth so down down into the earth intertwining with all beings i'm seeing in every direction intertwining with all beings i'm seeing in every direction Going down, down into the earth. Going down, down into the earth. I'll send a message on the world wide web of interconnection. I'll send a message on the world wide web of interconnection. Now I'll sing longer phrases, call and response it. Going down, down into the earth, intertwining with all beings I'm seeing in every direction. Down, down into the 
Intertwining with all beings I'm seeing in every direction Going down, down into the earth I'll send a message on the world wide web of interconnection Down, down into the earth I'll send a message on the world wide web of interconnection How's that for breaking it down? <laughs> it's still, That's They're still mouthfuls, as I they tend to do. They are mouthfuls, but it's so much fun to say it. It feels so chewy in your yes, mouth. Yes, that's the goal. I love making chewy phrases that are like kind of tongue twisters, but also once you get them, they just kind of roll around fluidly. So what if we did the song again, maybe just, I don't know, three or four verses? Sure thing. However many feel right to you. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Mm. So I trust my roots to know where to go. We'll start there. I trust my roots to know where to go, to know where to go, to know where to go. I trust my roots to know where to go, down, down into the earth. Anchor me deep. I trust my roots to anchor me deep, to anchor me deep. To anchor me deep, I trust my roots to anchor me deep, down, down into the earth. Here's the chorus, so down, 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 down into the earth, intertwining with all beings I'm seeing in every direction, going down, down into the earth. I'll send a message on the world wide web of interconnection. Now we're going to... Uh, Let's see, what are we trusting our roots to do? I trust my roots to lead me to love. I trust my roots to lead me to love. To lead me to love. To lead me to love. I trust my roots to lead me to love. Down, down into the earth. And I trust our roots to connect us as one. I trust our roots to connect us as one. Connect us as one. Connect us as one, I trust our roots to connect us as one. Down, down into the earth, a going down, down into the earth, intertwining with our beings. I'm seeing in every direction, going down, down into the earth. I'll send a message on the world wide web of interconnection. Yeah. Ah, thanks so much for bringing this song to us. I love the way I feel. I feel both relaxed and I feel relaxed and confident after I sing that song. Like, like I've like I've let go. Mm. Like I'm not worrying anymore. Oh, that's great to hear. <laughs> that's <laughs> such a good feeling. Yeah, that's definitely something I struggle a lot with: is anxiety and worry, and it just um, yeah it feels like such a old and profoundly dug deep habit <laughs> in me. Uh -huh. So I feel like that's kind of a theme of a lot of my songs is like mantras to help me trust and relax and surrender. <laughs> so that's great to hear that that yeah. has that effect on somebody else. That's, that's wonderful. It does. And I use songs the same way. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. for me, they are such a mental health gift, mm. such a way to take my, my frontal lobe out of the worrying, worrying, mm fretting mode and into a different place so that shift absolutely yeah this one been such a 
a lifelong journey, but I'd say especially the last few years of trying to learn how to better trust my intuition and tracing mm. in my body where, where does intuition live? I think a lot of people think of it as like a cosmic thing that's like outside of yourself, you know, like, uh-huh. oh, it's this woo woo thing of like psychic energy. And I've realized um, in the last handful of years that I, I think for me and probably a lot of people, intuition lives in the body and specifically it lives in the gut you know that's why we say our gut feelings and um another hobby and passion of mine is is fermentation and i i only made the connection really a few years ago of like intuition and fermentation fermentation being so much about rebuilding or maintaining a healthy microbiome in your gut and if you think about it it's like that's kind of like our roots in that there's like, we have all these helpers, like these mycelial agents and bacteria and and yeast and all the little microbes that live in our guts are kind of like our connector to the world outside of us in a sense. And, um, and eating fermented foods obviously helps that (laughs) help build that culture. And, um, and I believe that that can help with intuition too. I don't know. It's a strange connection in my head, but it, but it makes sense. Oh yeah, if I can heal my gut and have a healthy gut, then like I can learn to trust my gut better. And it's not just me; it's my microbes too. So, yeah, that's that's part it's of it's all yeah. of that the whole system that's behind supporting you. A- absolutely. Yeah. So I think of an in- intuition as a as an embodied thing, and I'm really trying to step into that. So that's that's a theme that's been coming to me a lot in song and in everything. It's just been interwoven with everything I try to do. <laughs> It's like, nope, trust your body, yeah. <laughs> trust your gut. Trust your body. That's beautiful. And you have to be in your body to sing. And that's been a whole other lesson and thing that I've been trying to deepen into. So it's the songs help you get into your body because it's hard to sing if you're not in your body and in your breath. So, yeah. Although I have to say I did it for years and it didn't mm-hmm. sound very good, but I did it yeah. for years. Me too. And it damaged my voice. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah. So. so tell us what tell us what the sound, first sound is that you make when you get up in the morning. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I very adamantly don't like to talk to people in the morning. And it's not because I'm like, a co- like, I need my coffee. Um, I like coffee, but it has nothing to do with that. It's more out of a like, I actually really need to warm up my voice before I can talk. Because, um, mm. yeah. So I, I try to be really gentle with my voice in the water and, you know, chug a, chug a quart or so of warm water, ideally warm lemon water, just before I even do anything. And that really kind of helps clear some gunk that's settled in there from mm-hmm. overnight. And then the first sound I like to start with is just some really gentle humming, like low. Um, Mm -hmm. And I learned as I was going through speech therapy and over the last year after dealing with a vocal cord injury, my speech therapist taught me that if you're blowing your lips out, like you can see me, but I guess folks listening to the podcast can't, but what I'm doing is kind of blowing my cheeks out. Um, If you do like a sort of thing, it, it brings you there, but you don't have to do full on mouth trumpet to get there. You can also just do and I'm puffing my my cheeks out and vibrating my lips. Um, And basically, if you're doing that, it's almost impossible to have a tight throat while you're doing that. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good Mm -hmm. way to start singing. So I've really taken to that as a practice of just humming in the morning and doing some slurs with that, like... 
really gentle stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So <laughs> if anybody yeah. is around me, <laughs> they're like usually a little weirded out, but the folks who know me know what I'm doing, so it's cool. <laughs> I often will take my choruses through, um, especially if there's a section that we've been having trouble with, through flubbering. I call it flubbering. Oh, Flubber. I, they may have to rethink this after the after COVID, oh. but we would we would sing the line, oh. doing that to release the tension and sort of reestablish yeah. the balance of air and how that works. It's so profound. It's been it's really been changing me and just teaching me like oh I've been singing wrong all these years. Not wrong, but that's like probably why I ended up with a vocal cord injury was really from not being attuned to using my voice in this way. So it's been really eye-opening for me learning more about the voice and its connection with breath and body, you know, embodied yeah. singing. So that's a big journey. I'm very much feeling like I'm taking baby steps on right now. I'm just thinking how scary that would be to be a singer-songwriter, right? That's how you make mm -hmm. your living. Mm -hmm. And then lose your voice this instrument that you've relied yeah. on yeah it was it was horrible <laughs> I'm not gonna lie it yeah. sucked. but yeah. it was actually also a blessing in so many ways the timing of it all it was funny it happened during COVID so it's not like I was gigging anyways and mm. like it, it happened after I finished recording the last album that I recorded um like a couple months after that was all done. So I was like glad to have had that done and not mm -hmm. have that Which happen I own, in the middle of it. It's a fabulous yeah. album. Just Thank saying. you. Thank you so much. Um, so it was good timing. Um, in a sense, you know, it's like the best worst situation <laughs> that could uh -huh. have happened. Um, yeah. It started last summer and seemingly out of nothing. Like I didn't do, I didn't even like shout or sing excessively. I wasn't gigging excessively like I have in the past where I've, you know, had many gigs a week and like times in my life where like it would have made more sense that my voice would give out, but it happened in like the middle of a non-gigging period. I think maybe my body just knew it was like, you know, it's like how you get sick after like finals week or whatever yes. in college. It's the same thing. And, um, yeah, I'd spent a few months last summer not being able to sing at all. There were weeks where I couldn't even talk really like other than whisper or just like a very low, um, quiet, and it was really scary. Um, and I started going to a ear, nose, throat doctor and getting it scoped out. And they could see just a little dot on my vocal cords, a lesion, they called it. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, they told me there was nothing I could do other than surgery to get it removed. And I haven't done that yet. Um, but that I could learn to relearn how to sing with it. Um, and so that's why I was seeing a speech therapist mm -hmm. and just have been on this whole journey of learning how to more healthfully use my voice, not only for singing, but actually speaking is mm -hmm. where I think I tend to do the most damage. Um, and this tend to happen a lot in pre-COVID times, like in noisy parties or bars mm -hmm. or gatherings mm -hmm. where I'm having to talk over lots of ambient noise um, was always a really hard thing for me to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I was just kind of cumulatively damaging my voice. So anywho, when this was all happening, it was... Um, it's definitely caused me a lot of grief and anxiety and, um, stress over this last year. And it continues to go through waves of being lost and found again. Like I it, basically, it gets re-injured every time I have like a coughing fit or something. Um, like mm. who knew coughing was so damaging, 
for instance, a few weeks ago, I choked on a bug and I coughed it and was coughing and coughing and my voice was gone completely again. I was like, no, this is horrible. So, but I think it's bouncing back a little bit more quickly this time just because mm-hmm. of how, what I've learned. But I will say the, the benefits or the, like the silver linings other than like the big one being really teaching me that I need to sing in a better way and a more embodied way. Um, but another really amazing silver lining of that was that I was just playing a whole lot more instrumental music and the mandola has become a big musical instrument love of mine over the last year or few months and been learning the viola also and, you know, always trying to get better at guitar too. So uh, I feel like I've learned to sing through my instruments a lot, especially in the periods where I wasn't able to sing. So I'm grateful for that. So I have a friend who said to me, oh, you're interviewing Samara. I was saying, I get to interview Samara Jade. I'm so happy about that. (laughs) He said, Samara Jade, I knew her when she was in North Carolina at the um, Suwannee, Suwannoa, Suwannoa, thank you. Um, Yeah, Suwannoa And he told me a story. Wow, that must have been a ways back. It was a ways back. I'm curious who that is. He told me a story (laughs) about you playing, about there being a Beatles sing-along night. And you coming oh, in yes. and playing sitar <laughs> on Norwegian wood. Uh-huh. That was a thing that happened every year. <laughs> and he said the whole room would have been sort of raucous and doing this sing-along. And then you would come in the center and all 200 people, however many people were there, would get really quiet because it was unamplified <laughs> and just focus yep. in. And he said it was some of the most magical moments mm-hmm. were listening to you play and how how your focus and your ability to sort of sing through your instrument really brought people to this a different place wow that's so wild that you know that that just that that story has come to you that feels like such a like a corner of my life that not a whole lot of people know because it's been a a long time since I've been to the Swannanoa gathering but that was a thing that happened every year um they have Beatles scream they called it it's like an all-night Beatles sing-along it's so much fun and yeah raucous and hoot and annie of a time going through like the whole you know well you can't it's like tip of the iceberg with the Beatles repertoire but you know singing like a hundred Beatles songs and yeah the first time I brought my sitar everybody like freaked out <laughs> it's funny because I don't even really play sitar like I have a sitar and I haven't studied Indian classical music so I don't by any means consider myself a sitar player but you know I'm I'm nimble enough on it that I could figure out Norwegian woods so <laughs> <That's great. laughs> So going even further back, what is the first song, earliest song memory that you have? I'm curious. Gosh, that's a great question. And I, I, um, I know I loved the song Moon Shadow by Cat Stevens when I was really little. I, and this is like maybe even one of my earliest memories, but as like a three or four year old, my aunt would play a recording on a cassette tape of Moon Shadow, and I just loved that song, Moon Shadow. <laughs> and I would sing it all the time. <laughs> so that was my very favorite song as like probably like three to five year old. Wow. So that's probably my first musical memory. So yeah, Cat Stevens has got a place in my heart for sure. <laughs> that's a lovely song. It's a beautiful song. <laughs> yeah. When did you know that? you wanted to do music how did that evolve in your life um it's gone through many different phases and stages um I'd say probably the earliest hint of that was 
in second grade or third grade or something. At that point, I guess I had been taking piano lessons for like a year. And in school, we like, I don't know, like how, <laughs> how PC this is now, of course, just with the climate of everything. But in, in our Native American unit, we had to all choose uh, Native American names, you know, like, mm-hmm. what would our name be? And I chose Music Maker. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess something in me knew back then. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't, it wasn't until I was a teenager that I actually was like, oh, playing music's really fun. I love playing music. And that was because I, I had taken classical piano lessons as a kid, but never really was like that into it. But when I was older and like got some piano books and sheet music of music I liked, I'm like, oh, this is really fun. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my biggest early musical influence that really got me going on that train um, as probably like a 12 year old or something, I got into really into like obsessively, embarrassingly obsessively into the Broadway musical Rent. (laughs) And I still love it. I like this music has such a deep place in my soul. I was actually recently just the other day singing Seasons of Love and I'm like, that's still one of the best songs of all times. Thank you, Jonathan Larson. (laughs) And um, yeah, but I just became obsessed with that. I, like all throughout my teenage years, that was like all I ever wanted to do was listen to uh-huh. Rent and play Rent and make reenactments in my parents' basement with my friends of the musical Rent. So that was a huge turning point when I like realized, oh wow, like just the power of this songwriter and how these songs are so alive in me even after, um, you know, the person who who composed them, Jonathan Larson, tragically passed away and yet his songs are like still very much alive and they they live on in such a powerful way. And I think I really just felt the emotion of that and the power of that, that impacted me a lot as a young person. That's interesting because the songs that you write that that I've heard do that, they communicate. Hmm. They really reach out and pull in both directions. You know, they send energy both directions Hmm. um, so that both I feel like I know you a little better after I've listened to them, but I also feel like I know myself a little better. Ooh. I think that's a generous yeah. gift as a songwriter that you that you give. So yeah. I, there are so many directions mm. I could go at this point, but I'm I'm curious. I'm really curious because mm. you said that that you chose the name Music Maker, that chance to to draw on the indigenous wisdom of of your name meaning something. I'm really curious about that because you have changed your name, right? Yeah. Because when I first started searching for you on YouTube, it was a twisty, windy path to find your music mm-hmm. because there were your music was available under several different names. Do you, you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah, it's been a journey. Um, yeah, I was Sierra before I was Samara, and I just never... I had another name before that, like my birth name, but I haven't gone by my birth name since I was a kid. I like never was resonant with me. Um, but Sierra was always, I don't know, I felt like a placeholder name. I was like, all right, well, this is better than my birth name, but it's still not my name. And I always kind of knew that, um, but it was fine. It was, it was my name for many, many years. And I came across the word Samara first when I was studying botany in college and, um, a Samara is a kind of seed that many trees have, such as maple trees, most notably. Elm trees have them too, and there's more. But if you picture those little helicopter seeds that go spiraling upon the wind, um, that is a Samara. 
which botanically speaking is a winged nut. (laughs) 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 And I always just thought it was a beautiful name and kind of always had had it dog-eared in my mind of like, oh, if I ever have kids, like I want to name my daughter Samara. And like, I just, I'm like pretty sure I don't ever want to have kids. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's just not my karma and not my path in this life. Like not totally closed off to it but um it just it it hit me one day this was about four or five years ago um I was on a canoe in Florida on a spring with a couple friends and there were the Samaras were falling everywhere the red maple Samaras and I was like huh what if that was my name and the moment I said it and like I said it out loud like hey do you want to try calling me Samara and it just like it landed deep in my soul, like, oh, that obviously that's my name, oh, and wow. um, and everybody started calling me that, or the people I was with on that that trip, it just kind of became my trip name, and it was just like, oh, it feels so good to be called Samara, like I love the sound of it, and I love the meaning of it. It's a seed, and I feel like songs are like seeds, like they're you know genetically encoded uh, DNA to create this whole and it's tree. A nut. It's a little it's wild a nut. It's too. A little, it's I'm a, a nut. Little... I'm a I'm a I'm a winged nut. I mean, what better yeah. name? <laughs> and you know, I'm a very airy uh yeah, I tend to be a little bit nomadic and can't sit still <laughs> somewhat. So it suits me really well and it was still a hard decision to change my name because of the, all the practical reasons of like, oh, I already have, you know, two albums out of Sierra and I was about to release my third album at the time, Wave of Birdsong. And so I was like, ooh, part of that decision was like, I need to decide this before I release this mm. album. And mm. how do I want to come out to the world? Because this is like, it was my third album, but it was kind of my first like real and big album. So I was like, this needs to come out as Samara Jade. It was another really big lesson about trusting my embodied intuition. Because everything yeah. in my brain and logic and you know was just like no don't change your name that's gonna be a pain in the butt um but everything in my soul and my body was like obviously you're samara and i went through this whole indecisive process as i am wont to do for many months (laughs) like (laughs) sought out every sort of like external you know reflection like probably did like an intuitive reading did tarot cards Mm -hmm. did like Mm -hmm. dream incubation like everything i could like possibly think of and like asking all the opinions of everybody and then one day i was like you know what i needed to just decide this from inside and i went i was in one of my favorite places in north carolina um and went to sit out on a rock in the river. And I was just like, all right, it's very adamantly like, I'm closing my eyes until I make a decision from within. (laughs) So I did, and it it didn't take long. I was like, I closed my eyes. I'm like, you're Samara. And you know, after a few minutes, I like opened my eyes and I kid you not, like as you know, talk about signs from the universe, which is what I'd been asking for all along. Um, As I am opening my eyes, a little baby Samara, maple tree Samara, (laughs) flutters down and lands right in my lap or like right in front of me. And I'm like, stop it. Stop. It's too much. (laughs) If you weren't listening before, please listen now. It's like the universe is there. But it was confirming. It was like confirming that trust of my gut and trust of my intuition and trust of my roots. It's like, oh, my roots are the things that hold these mycelial connection to the to the trees around me to the world around me and I can learn to lean into that and trust that wisdom 
more. Yeah. So that name, yeah, everything just keeps, everything in my life keeps pointing back to that. And, um, and I love that my name change story is, it, it felt like it was moving me towards embodying that more. So that's been a big part of, of my journey for the last handful of years. Yeah, that's beautiful to have your name really reflect who you are mm-hmm. and feel that connection. Every time somebody says your name, everybody says Absolutely, yeah. It's like a mantra, yeah. <laughs> a, re- yeah. a reminder of who you are. Yeah. So, yeah. Can you tell us a little more about how, how else you've found, what other ways you've found are really effective to connect with that, to build that trust with mm. yourself, to build that trust with, with your gut? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm still learning so much every day. Um, I am really into two practices that I that I do that I've devoted a lot um, over the years to are um, dream work and tarot cards um, mm-hmm. as a means of self reflection and and um, shadow work and just like seeing into the subconscious and mm-hmm. yeah tracking the images that, um, that come up around me, whether they're in dreams and tarot cards or anything else, just kind of like seeing the world as this living divination, tracking motifs and images and patterns. And, um, a lot of times, you know, you don't start to notice things until it starts to become a pattern. For instance, the last year or so I've had, I've like accounted in my dream journal at one point, and I think I had had like 30 something of these dreams of being in like big waves in the ocean. Like each dream was a little bit different, but it was still a common enough mm. dream that it was a motif and reoccurring dream. And so I've just been really tracking that a lot. And um, yeah, the more I do, the more I like notice it and the more I start to like tie it in with other things. And then the more that just like metaphor comes alive and learning to just like trust those patterns and trust the things that show up and repeat as some way of my subconscious is like trying to get my attention for something that needs connecting. I found that dreams have been really helpful with that and writing, making a practice of writing down dreams as well as like using tarot cards as a mirror also um, for working with Mm. just different archetypal energies and moments and intentions and not, you know, I think a common misconception with tarot or any sort of divination is like, oh, it's for telling the future. And I don't see it like that. It's for like reflecting the present more than anything. The thing I love about the tarot deck, it's like this perfect embodiment of the human experience, like the universal experience throughout all the cards in the deck. It just so perfectly captures um, just different archetypes of that we all experience at some point in our lives, being alive and being human. I feel like a lot of my music springs up from all of that work combined, in a sense. That's where a lot of the images and motifs come from. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I drifted from your original question, but... (laughs) No, in a wonderful way. It was a good path to follow. Good. Cool. (laughs) I'm just thinking that one of the things that... um, I've done a lot of imagery work, um, and one of the things that a wise woman said to me at one point... I just remember doing this image, and I'll probably take this out of the interview. I remember doing this image work where, where I was I was facing something that was very difficult for me, a memory that was a traumatic memory for me. Mm-hmm. And she said, "So I want you to observe what you're wearing." And um, and and I was wearing this Wonder Woman outfit, 
you know, mm-hmm. the, the whole the, the thing across the, the forehead and the wristbands and the belts and the whole the whole nine yards. Mm. And I was like, yeah. really? Really? <laughs> A Wonder Woman outfit? I don't yes. think so. And she's like, <laughs> Patricia, you do not turn down an image that your subconscious offers you. You go that. with it. And that whole that. thing, that was a huge learning change shift for me because I realized I had this big part of me that was always looking at the images that came up and saying, is it good enough? Is it original enough? Is it okay? You know, I had this part of me that was mm-hmm. vetting everything that came up. And that did not turn out to be actually very helpful. Um. <sighs> Oof, that is so, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's so so familiar and resonant <laughs> and that's been like one of the biggest things for me is like learning to move past those denying self-denying and self-doubtful voices that are like oh i'm just making that up it's not real and like actually that's really potent and that's the medicine you need yeah <laughs> but those voices are so real and they're so deeply conditioned in us like to not trust your imagination so that's been a big big healing journey for me is like actually no it is okay to (laughs) to trust trust yourself to trust this so i'm another thing that i am curious about is i know you've chosen some unusual ways of of living uh, unusual to standard american norms i guess is what i would say just it's normal for me yeah exactly exactly Yeah, so I'm wondering if you would talk to it about it a little bit. What gives you a sense of home? Because I'm thinking, you know, whether you're living in a van or in a community or alone or with families, you know, people can feel lonely in all kinds of places, whatever their living situation is. And people can Mm -hmm. feel at home in many different situations, different places. And I'm wondering what gives you that sense of, Mm. of home? That's such a good question. And so relevant for me as for so many reasons right at this very moment in my life um as a as a little bit of a vagabond i i I wouldn't really say vagabond i i do live in my van i have been living in my van mostly um for the last three years would you tell us what you call your van vincent van gogh thank you uh yeah it's it's pretty great but uh which was like my childhood dream or my teenage dream like i want to live in a school bus or like i didn't actualize it till i was 30 30 years old um so like yeah dream come true and people are like oh my god you live in your fan it's so romantic that's so like you could go anywhere and i'm just like i'm getting to the point where i'm so over it right now <laughs> i like hate it and i'm just like oh my god i can't wait to like have a room somewhere or a house or just like somewhere where I don't have to like move all of my instruments off my bed to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can wash my dishes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like all these things. I can leave my stuff set up. Mm -hmm. Don't have to like always put everything away. So anywho, I've been getting super burnt out of Uh it and I feel that chapter of my life kind of coming to a close, but it has taught me so much. Um, Like you said, so much about um, home and what is home. And I am in this deep love affair between two places that are very different and very far apart. Um, and this is Western North Carolina, where I spent 10 or 11 years living, and the Olympic Peninsula here in Washington. I am so deeply in love with both places, and both places I have community. I have like really good friends and, and collaborators in both places. So it's been this really hard tension for me of like uh, f- feeling like 
the van chapter closing in my life and like feeling like I want to settle, but I just can't for the life of me decide. Recently, I've been coming into a little bit more peace about it in that I realized, oh, you don't have to decide. In an ideal world, I'd go spend half the year there and half the year here, which seems crazy. And when I say that out loud, it sounds crazy, but I'm like, well, if I could make that, like, I have to make that work. People do it with New England and Florida all the time, right? Right. Exactly. So, I mean, it's a little further in North Carolina. Well, I don't know. I don't know the exact mileage. But anywho, it's it seems crazy and it is crazy. But at this point, I'm like so deeply in love and embedded with this place here and also in North Carolina. So, okay. Uh, but yeah, any, anyway, home is like, I think that we're, you know, uh, unless you're one of the lucky people who's come from a lineage of people that has stayed on the same land for multiple, multiple, many, many generations, like hundreds of generations back, which is not most of us. Um, it's hard to feel a sense of home and it's hard to feel a sense of belonging. And that is belonging to place, not owning a place. Like that's so different. Like, um, then like, yeah, you can buy land, but like, and think you own the land, but to belong, I think you need to belong to a place and belong to Mm. a land. And, uh, I feel so cut off from that as being, you know, the descendant of all of my great grandparents who immigrated to the United States through uh, or from Italy and Russia and Ukraine. And I know nothing about those places in in the grand Mm -hmm. scheme. I'd love to go there. I'd love to, you know, that's Mm -hmm. definitely like a vision of mine as I'd love to go on an ancestral journey. Um, But in the meanwhile, here I am, and I'm just learning to try to cultivate a sense of place where I am. And for me, what that's looked like, especially here in the peninsula, has just been like spending as much time as I possibly can out in the wilderness. So I do, I end up doing a lot of backpacking because there's a lot of places here on the peninsula that like you can drive around the peninsula, but the only way to get into the middle is to hike for several days. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. I love uh-huh. going out there. And uh, that's where I, I feel the most at home in a, in a sense, because I'm just with the land. Um, I, I don't know, but it's so much more than that, too. I think community is really important and being around people who can who can really see and be seen by yeah. um and that's something I feel like beyond blessed to have here just with my circle of friends. And so I think that that's a really big part of home that I feel like I have probably way more than a lot of people who live more isolated lives. Um, like I feel connected socially and that gives me a huge sense of home and belonging. Yeah. It's really like home is where the, the people you care about are ultimately, I think. And, There's a quote. And where you, yeah. We'll write that down. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Actually, that's a good. I hadn't realized that, but that's. It's. I think it's a combination of that and just where where you connect with the land and the spirits of the land can be anywhere ultimately. But it's it's hard when you're a cultural orphan and and yeah. cut off from your roots. Yeah. So it's like we're having to relearn and new practices of listening to and connecting with the land. And so I'm curious, when you're out in the land, do you sing? For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely when I'm by myself and I do a lot of solo hikes and solo backpacking because that's when I just feel the most, it's harder to tap into that space when I'm with other people. I love it when I can go on hikes with other people and like we can find that space together, like be alone together. Yes. Yes. <laughs> those are the best hiking buddies where we yes. come together and share meals or whatever, but like do our thing. And, um, that's, that's the pretty ideal thing for me. And 
yeah, I'd say most of my songs come in those contexts, or a lot of them. So do you spend most of your time noodling around or or noodle your way into a song and then refining a song on those yeah, walks? Or, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't say most of the t- I mean, most of the time of the walk isn't spent doing that. But if I am getting a little song idea, it's just good time for me to uh, noodle with it and mess with it. What better time than walking down a trail? <laughs> so do you have any ideas for people who are listening and maybe don't think of themselves as songwriters? Mm-hmm. I notice that you, you're you treating that, you have a little idea, you're noodling right, and, and then you're treating it with some respect. Mm-hmm. You're actually listening to what you just sang, treating it as an idea instead of saying, oh, yeah, I'm not a songwriter. Which obviously yeah, you are a songwriter, a so you wouldn't say that to yourself. But Right, but you'd be surprised, the doubts that come up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think anybody can write a song. And I've, I've taught a lot of songwriting workshops before. And an activity that I love to start with, and this totally freaks people out, but it's great. It works every time. Uh, I'll just, before I even tell people what we're doing, I'll just be like, all right, get in a group of two or three. And each person, just think of a random word. Everybody thinks of a random word and then they, they tell it to their partner or partners. And I'm like, okay, write a song that of like 10 second song, write a song, write a jingle that has those three words in it. And it could be something like plaid, applesauce, canary or something. <laughs> and it's hilarious. Like the stuff that people come up with is mind blowingly creative. And you know, a lot of people are like, I've never written a song before. And I'm like, well, you just did it. I didn't even give you any instructions. Like it's that easy. And so I think a lot of it is about giving yourself permission to write shitty songs. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cause uh-huh. I do it all the time. I write shitty songs all the time and you have to, to write good ones. You just have to keep writing. Um, and a lot of times I'm like scared cause I'm like, Oh no, like everything I write has to be profound and meaningful. And I've just been giving myself permission to write like silly, dumb stuff sometimes if that's what I am coming up with. I'm like, that's yeah. great. That's fine. And then sometimes, ironically, people end up thinking that stuff is really good. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is just give yourself permission to play and play around because that's they don't call it playing music for no reason. Like mm. it is just about being playful and giving yourself permission yeah. to like not have everything have to be good. <laughs> it can be messy. Nice. nice. It will yeah. be messy and that's great and that's part of being human. So I remember a poetry teacher once saying to me, You write fifty poems for every good poem. So you may as well start mm-hmm. and yeah. just write it and close oh, it off. You absolutely. know, so that you can get to the fiftieth. <laughs> just keep writing. And of course, you know, by the time, I don't know, I don't remember, the 14th or the 16th or something, the 28th, I was like, ooh, I like that poem, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, that's how it But goes. Re- being able to just kind of let go that not everyone has to be the poem it or won't. the song. Yeah, it Yeah, won't. exactly. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. All right. Yeah. Are there any other questions I should ask you before we go into the lightning round? Oh, no, that feels, that feels pretty complete. Okay. So lightning round. When I was, when I was getting ready to do this podcast, I listened to a bunch of podcasts and I love the ones that have quick answers, quick question and answers Mm -hmm. at the end that were always the same. Mm. And so then you get to hear how different people respond to them. And it's just, it was fun. So these are just one or two words, just as quick as you can off the top of your head. There are no wrong answers. 
Okay. I'll try my best to be quick. What's an album that was really important to you? Well, I think as I already mentioned, Rent, I kind of have to say yep. is the number one. But <laughs> I, I'd say other than that, like it would probably be uh, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Yes. All right. <laughs> or some Yes album. <laughs> what is your favorite song? I wish I had an answer to that, but I don't. No, that, and that, you know what? That's not even the question. <laughs> I didn't read it right. Oh, great. <laughs> what is your favorite soup? Oh, soup. I wouldn't ask what's your favorite song. There's so many songs. That's such a ridiculous question. There's so question. many soups, too. <laughs> there are so many soups. Yeah, I, I don't know. What um, is one of your favorite soups? Probably like something with broccoli, cream of broccoli. Mm. <laughs> no, chicken Good. soup. Chicken car. Oh, that Thai, Thai chicken soup. Tom Ka Ga. Oh, yeah. That's, the, that's yep. by far yep. my favorite. What am I talking about? <laughs> okay. What is your favorite replacement curse word, if you oh. have one? <laughs> I'm sure I do. I don't know if I can think of one. What do you say when you drop your guitar? And the mic's on. Yeah. And... <laughs> I don't know if I'm very good at filtering myself. Okay. <laughs> this is the real thing. It usually comes yeah, right. out. Excellent. Do you know what's funny is I stuck that question in, That's and so great... far, both of you have, uh, you're my second interview, you've both said the real thing. That's no so filters. funny. Yeah, I know. I could that probably, may be just a thing for singers. Probably work on that. No, maybe you don't need to. You know, maybe that's just... What is a song you feel strongly about? A sound. Not a song. A sound you feel... Like you really want to know my favorite song. <laughs> I really do. Um, Not your great. favorite sound. It's just one yeah. that you feel strongly about. doesn't have to be a favorite. Um, first thing that comes to me is bird, bird song. Mm-hmm. Any particular birds? Because there's a lot of bird song. Mm-hmm. I love ravens. They're my favorite birds, mm. and they have a lot of mm. different calls. And they have yeah, a wild. They're really, birds. they're really fun. <laughs> yeah, they always make me smile. Who is an artist you wish more people listened to? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, oh, I absolutely love. Yeah, she's she's become a dear friend of mine. Uh, we've played a handful of shows together. Uh, I just adore her and adore her music. Johanna Warren is an oh, incredible songwriter. Yeah. You want to spell? Is it Johanna? J yeah J O H A N N A Warren W A R E N. Okay. Yeah. yeah she's magnificently Great. talented and inspiring to me. So. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah. Um, and before we close the interview, where can we find you and follow your projects or buy your music? Yeah, all the places, really. I mean, everywhere where you listen to music, I'm there as Samara Jade. The best place to buy my albums or download them is Bandcamp. Mm -hmm. I do have physical CDs also um, that you can get through my website. It's a little bit more informal. It's more of an email Samara and tell her you want a CD and PayPal me, mm -hmm. and then I'll send them to you eventually. Uh, I'm usually pretty quick about it. But the best way and my favorite way that I can be supported as an artist is through my Patreon. And I have a lot of fun with that. I post a lot of things there that I don't share otherwise on social media and stuff especially all of my sing-along songs. I've been slowly chipping away at recording a, a compilation of all of them. So like the one you hear today, and I've been slowly recording them, and they're unreleased to the public and probably won't be released for a while, but I've been posting them all one by one there with my Patreons. So that's a fantastic way that folks can support me through subscribing to that and gain access to the things that I post there. Um, but also 
Instagram, Facebook. I go in and out of phases of posting a lot and then posting nothing for months at a time and then posting every day. And I'm kind of sporadic <laughs> with social media, which is apparently not the right thing to do, but that's just me. So, so uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming today. Yeah. And a huge thank you to you, our listeners. I'm so glad you're singing with us. Let me remind you quickly that subscribing, reviewing, and sharing the link really makes a difference, mm-hmm. helping people we don't even know yet find these songs and these people. Visit abreathofsong.com to see the show notes with lyrics, sign up to know when the next episode is released, suggest a song or songwriter for the podcast, and leave something in the tip jar to help cover costs. Before I get paid, 25% will be donated to the Jazz Foundation of America, and I talk a bit about why that is in the intro episode. So let's sing Trust I Trust My Roots again to help our brains remember it because going away and then coming back is a really effective learning skill. And of course, you can always download the episode and listen as many times as you'd like. Oh, thank you so much, Patricia, for having me on and just asking really thoughtful questions. I appreciate you doing this and putting this together and honored that you asked me to be a part of it. So super tickled. Yay. Shall I sing the whole song or a few other verses? As much as you feel like. Okay. Yeah. Give us at at minimum, I would say a minimum of three choruses worth. I'm just sticking that in there. I trust my roots to know where to go, to know where to go, to know where to go. I trust my roots to know where to go, down, down into the earth. Going down, down into the earth, intertwining with all beings I'm seeing in every direction. Going down, down into the earth, I'll send a message on the worldwide web of interconnection because I trust my roots to share what I got to share what I got to share what I got I trust my roots to share what I got down down into the earth going down down into the earth intertwining with all beings I'm seeing in every direction going down down into the earth I'll send a message on the worldwide web of interconnection. Oh, cause I trust my roots to connect us as one. Connect us as one. Connect us as one. I trust my roots to connect us as one. Going down, down into the earth. Going down, down into the earth. Intertwining with all beings I'm seeing Every direction going down, down into the earth. I'll send a message on the worldwide web of interconnection. You know I'm gonna trust my roots. Thank you. Thank you for joining Samara and me today for a breath of song. I'm grateful that you're taking care of yourself and listening to your voice. I believe making a better world starts with tuning in to ourselves and each other and our bacteria. Just, which is what we just did. So yay us. Next time we'll plant another song. Be well. <laughs>